Do you think about making dynasty trades even while watching football games? Are you thinking of player values when you should be thinking of family values? Then you may have a trading problem. Don't worry, you're not alone. I am Dynasty Outhouse and I have a trading problem. And I'm Brian Haar and I also have a trading problem. Join us for the Trade Addicts podcast where you can be with like-minded people and talk about everything in the NFL in the context of dynasty trade values. News and notes, make amends, keep trade buys, all these things we will cover every week. And don't forget Trade Addicts trades. So when you're done listening to this fine DLF family podcast, please tune into the trade addicts podcast thank you and enjoy your podcast james said that he liked three receivers in this class and did not name Cortland Sutton. And I heard that I've been too. waiting for this moment to bring that up. Oh, do we need to get to it? We've got two of them here with Cortland Sutton. And I did really want to get to these, if I'm being honest. I mean, with the trade of Demarius Thomas to the Houston Texans, now Cortland Sutton takes over as the, the starter, you know, opposite Emmanuel Sanders. So, you know, talking through his value a little bit seems pretty important to me. Um, we're, uh, we're definitely running late, but I, I, let's sneak one of these two in. Uh, would you guys rather talk about uh, that, that first I one? say we do them both. Let's do them I both. I say wow. do them both. <laughs> do them both. At least put on a pot of coffee because here we go. <laughs> All right, so this one came to James. This was a DM from James, or to James from Joel Sebesta. And he said Tariq Cohen and DJ Moore for Cortland Sutton in a half point PPR dynasty. And I'll just throw it out there. Whoever wants to start, go for it. Okay, no one else is talking. I'll go. Uh, <laughs> this is one of those situations where you have two players in the same tier. So I'll take the one where there's stuff added to it. Now, I know everyone is super excited about Demarius Thomas being traded and Cortland Sutton possibly being the number one guy there. I completely agree that's going to happen. I was, I've was i been a Cortland Sutton fan. Not as long as I should have been, but the second the Broncos, I loved their draft so much. Cortland and Dejon, I just, if only they kept Carlos Henderson. Uh, <laughs> yeah, seriously. Uh, but back on track. Uh these guys are pretty much equal. It wasn't too long ago we were drafting DJ Moore well before Cortland Sutton. We saw, again, recently DJ Moore can produce, will produce. And Tariq Cohen is super usable right now. I mean, half PPR hurts a little bit, but he's part of that game plan for the Bears. Uh, I love Cortland Sutton, but I think I would take the DJ Moore side. But if I am as much of a Cortland Sutton believer as some of these people are, I would have no problem paying Cohen on top of more to get Sutton. All right, Brian, what you thinking? I agree. Man, I'll we do agree easy. Too I agree. <laughs> I got called out the other day that Brian and I agree too much on our show, and it's it's getting more evident every single time we talk to each other. <laughs> Well, that's well, I, somebody, I agree too. Somebody said it to you, and now you're just you're hypersensitive aware to of it. it. Right? Yeah. We we need a Travis on our show. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, well, I don't know. <laughs> I, I don't know <laughs> if I can advocate for that. That's a that's a that's a little too bold of a move. Poor Plus, Travis is going to come back. Only just one. Wreck us, wreck <laughs> us when he comes back. I guarantee it. <laughs> I know that's no, I agree gets. real quick, though. Uh, man, Tariq Cohen and DJ Moore, to me, um, that's the side I want in this. Yeah, I, same here. And I, I'm the same way. I mean, I was a huge fan of Cortland Sutton when he was at SMU. And then so he gets drafted to my favorite team. And it's like, I mean, all systems go. But yeah, I, DJ Moore is still the better prospect. He was a better prospect, you know, every step of the way. And actually, he's kind of got the better quarterback, if we're being honest. I know Cam Newton's not known for his passing accuracy, but at this point, he's he's a far better passer than Case Keenum is, has been so far. So, yeah, I'll take the more side, too. All right, now we've got one more. And this actually came from the DLF Trade Finder. Uh, but this is just a uh, – this is another one just to kind of gauge some values on a couple guys. 
So this. Oh, is I'm a, excited. Yeah, this is a non-contender. Um, this I believe this was a PPR, if I remember right. PPR Dynasty. Cortland Sutton straight up for James Conner. Start with you, Brian. Yeah, so I apologize, but I'm going to take some time here. <laughs> um, so for me, okay, so so here here's here's the deal. Russ and I have talked about James Conner on our show a little bit, several, a couple times, because I'm a Steelers fan, so this is this is like all present, right? This whole Le'Veon Bell situation and what James Conner has done so far and all of that is right here in front of me. Um, so... James Conner is Le'Veon Bell, <laughs> production-wise. He's the same dude. Maybe slightly better. He's the yeah. He's at least the same dude. Mm-hmm. He in seven. Okay, so so seven games. Okay, we've had we've had Conner. We've had a seven-game sample with James Conner. 127 carries, 599 yards, and nine touchdowns. He's been targeted 41 times in the passing game. He's caught 31 of those passes. 323 yards. And he does not have a receiving touchdown yet. But when you look at Le'Veon's start to last season, and he did start a little bit slow because he came in late. Uh, so the first game or two, he was kind of a little bit out of sync. But 169 carries, 684 yards, four touchdowns, uh, 42 targets, 33 catches, 214 yards. It's like almost identical in terms of total yardage. They, they, I mean, Connor is at 922 and nine touchdowns and Bell this time last year through seven games. Well, he was at 908 and four touchdowns. I mean, it's, it's, it's ridiculous. Le'Veon Bell is, is, has literally screwed himself in, in, literally. In doing well, yeah, good, good point. <laughs> but no, he's he's. I just, I mean, Connor is just beasting right now. This guy is putting up every single in every single statistical category that Le'Veon Bell has historically produced in. James Connor's doing it. Now, I would say the Steelers' offensive line right now is probably the best it's been in years. Uh, so that definitely has something to do with it, but the dude is producing. They're different. They, they play differently. They look different on the field, but their production is so similar. You're, I mean, I mean, you're literally talking about trading Le'Veon Bell for Quentin Sutton. I ain't doing that. Andy's four years younger. So, I mean, I don't know. I'm starting to think James Conner's like the next big thing in fantasy right now. And I didn't see it earlier in the season, but right now I, it's hard to watch this dude and not think this guy's common. And I'm not just saying that as a Steelers fan too, because he also played for my absolute arch rival in terms of college. He played for the university of Pittsburgh and I'm a Penn state guy. So that's about as nasty as it gets when it comes to college rivalries. But this guy, I mean, he's unreal right now and he's a lot of fun to watch. I'm not trading James Conner right now for Cortland Sutton. I'll tell you that right now. And I think he's the back of the future in Pittsburgh. So that's my that's my James Conner take. Yeah, I mean, I agree. <laughs> uh, the only reason James Conner isn't like a first round startup pick is because Bell can show up and kill his value for this season. And we just don't know if Pittsburgh buys into it and or maybe drafts someone else to come in and committee him. But why would they if they haven't yet? So, yeah, I think Connor, while Sutton has the ceiling to be worth more than Connor is, he it's a dream to think that he's worth that now. I, I side with Connor pretty easily, even though hashtag team wide receiver. Yeah, first off, I'll say I, I would take the Connor side. For sure. I, I like James Conner moving forward. I think we saw this in Pittsburgh a little bit, though, Brian, too, with D'Angelo Williams. I mean, he came over there, and when Le'Veon Bell would get suspended or you know injured or, or what have you, D'Angelo Williams looked better in his later years in Pittsburgh than he ever did in Carolina. I mean, just being part of that system and, and that running game, just, I mean, he, he looked 
the part. I mean, he, if you drafted Le'Veon Bell and you drafted D'Angelo Williams later, you plugged in D'Angelo Williams, you didn't lose any production from putting him in your lineup most games, uh, you know, when Bell was out. I mean, that that's how good D'Angelo Williams was. So I think James Conner being part of that system, is his value is definitely high. So I'm definitely taking him over Sutton. But I will say this. In my in my opinion, watching both of these guys play, I do not think James Conner is the talent that Le'Veon Bell is. I'm just gonna just gonna go right out and say that. I don't know that that has a whole lot to do with fantasy value though, because I think James Conner's fantasy value is going to be very high. He's going to be part of a high scoring offense. He's going to be part of a, a rushing offense that has proven that they can you know they can just sub pieces in and out. And they're going to succeed. Um, and James Conner is a lot younger than Le'Veon Bell. So, yeah, I, I definitely see where you're where you're coming from, Brian. Uh, Brian, in that you know James Conner may be the next Le'Veon Bell for fantasy purposes. You, you know, there's there's a chance that that ends up happening. Um, however, I will say that I think I, I while Le'Veon Bell has hurt himself holding out, no doubt, I still think this guy lands on his feet, and I still think that we see his talent shine through wherever he ends up signing come next year. Um, that's just my estimation on it. I could be totally off base. I could be totally wrong. Um, but I also feel like one of the criticisms for Le'Veon Bell was, look how old he is and look at how many carries he's had. Well, he's not sustaining all that many carries this year. He's kind of getting a little bit of a break. So um, maybe that helps him when he hits the open market. I'm not so sure. But um, it will be interesting to kind of see what happens with Le'Veon Bell. But no, as far as this trade goes, I'm definitely taking James Conner here. Sutton. It's Sutton. So, <laughs> and, and here's why, because running backs don't matter. James Conner is probably, I mean, if he's not a top five dynasty running back, he's awfully close, but he's still a running back. And every time those guys touch the ball, they lose value because they touch the ball in the neighborhood of three, 400 times a season. I mean, I, okay, so I feel bad here because I'm going to be a little bit redundant. This is all stuff I've said, I've said on the FF Statistics podcast, but I just have to reiterate this point. Three to 400 touches a year, and guys, at least 98% of their touches end in a vicious collision of some kind. That's why they, they're constantly losing value with every touch of the football. It's so rare that they get to just walk into the end zone without somebody hitting them in the legs or, or you know, right below the chin or something. It, it, these guys are constantly taking damage, and, I mean, that's going to happen to James Conner as well. I mean, okay, here's what's actually going to happen. Le'Veon Bell's coming back to fulfill his requirements so that he can become a free agent and, and get the hell out of Pittsburgh because they don't want him. He doesn't want to be there. But, I mean, if you're Pittsburgh and you're paying him to be on the field, you're paying him that franchise tender, I mean, you're using him. You're going to run him into the ground. And James Conner is going to be on the sideline, and he's going to be out of sight, out of mind, and he's going to lose value, and you're going to be able to get him quite a bit cheaper. Meanwhile, Cortland Sutton becomes the number one wide receiver in Denver as early as 2019 because Emmanuel Sanders is also in a walk year, and he's he's as good as gone at this point, too. This is going to be yeah, Cortland Sutton's offense. Your own argument is that Connor gains value by sitting anyway. He's, and... He should. He should. But this is a it's a fallacy of dynasty players that when he's not on the field, we feel like, uh, I, I mean, he starts losing value because we're not watching him do what he's been doing all season now we're watching Le'Veon Bell and so everybody just assumes that that's because Le'Veon Bell is a better player when the reality is I mean you're paying Le'Veon Bell to, to take on that all that damage and then he's going to walk away and join another team you keep James Conner fresh for future seasons but I mean it, so the dynasty community though and specifically the James Conner owner is going to panic a little bit about the fact that James Conner's not getting the touches anymore, and you're going to be, get him at, at a greater discount while Cortland Sutton takes on the lead the lead role in uh, in the Broncos' offense. So, John, or, go ahead. Go ahead, Russ. 
I'm not yep. done with this yet. <laughs> yep. Because to ride more fallacies, third year wide receiver breakouts, why not ride Connor's increasing value for two years, then drop him before those 500 touches a year starts actually wearing on his body and you get Sutton as he's breaking out? Because while we love Sutton, he needs a little work and he doesn't have a quarterback. So I think Connor has the chance of gaining value faster than Sutton does. So I think there's a greater chance that when Sutton is ready to break out, you can get Sutton plus for Connor. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. What do you think, John? It, that's definitely possible. I mean, I, I guess I'm kind of basing this off of the idea that Cortland Sutton isn't going to have, you know, there. It, it's you're not ready for the court and settling era. That's that's what it comes down to. Yeah, yeah. I don't see this being a three year, you know, learning curve for for Cortland Sutton. And I mean, he's he's not playing like it either. You know, it, his numbers have been, you know, good for a rookie, but he's also he's also been victimized by some pretty inaccurate passing by uh by Case Keenum the first four games of the season he had he in each game he had a touchdown called back and usually it was just an errant pass it just you know an inch one way or another and he's able to get it you know make the catch and and get both feet in I mean we could be talking about a, a you know a rookie breakout if the if the passing was maybe a little bit more accurate. So, I mean, I, I, I generally agree with the three year arc, but in uh, some of these guys cases, I mean, we're seeing it with Calvin Ridley and I think that we could definitely see it with Cortland Sutton, that this happens a lot faster than that. I was just Here's hoping the... if I threw enough tropes out at you, you might change your mind. <laughs> <laughs> you definitely know how to speak to me, though. Here, right, here's sorry, the Brian. other. No, that's okay. Here's the other thing about Connor, John. I, mm-hmm. I don't think when Le'Veon Bell walks back into that building, they immediately shove him back in there. Is he going to get some work? Probably, but they're not paying him fourteen and a half million dollars anymore because he sat his butt out <laughs> for all this time. He's a six. Essentially, what Le'Veon Bell is when he comes back through those doors is a six million dollar insurance policy in case James Connor gets hurt or falters late in the season. Because I, I, I just, I don't. How do you take this dude out? How do you take him out? Well, if you got to, you do it for Le'Veon Bell, right? But, yeah. but what? Yeah. But what? Okay, but okay. That that's a fair that's a fair argument in one way and in another way it's not because you're not going to get Le'Veon Bell. In, so so he comes in in week 14, right? And and you guys are going to make the argument. Oh, he's fresh, right? He hasn't had all those touches. He hasn't gotten beat up and all of that. Look at his first four games last season. Okay, it it takes a little bit of time to get into football shape, right? If he's coming back to them in week. 10, okay, so say he comes back week 10 because he's got to come back then to move on, okay, to get another qualifying year of free agency. So he comes back in week 10. It takes him at least two, maybe three weeks, right, before he's potentially up to speed, and that's if he's getting the workload to do so. And I don't think he's going to get the workload. I really don't. I honestly... Honest to goodness, I think he's a $6 million insurance policy this year. I think they'll pay him the $6 million and say, good riddance. And they'll Damn take it. about wow. they'll take about 60% of the money that they were going to pay Le'Veon, and they'll extend James Conner two years early so that they don't get into a similar situation and they lock him up for four or five years. Yeah, that's, that's, that's interesting. That's what I Brian. think is going to happen. Go well, ahead, James. Let me... No, I, I was just going to – let me ask you a question, though. If they have a running back that they're not going to use going into next season, why wouldn't they just run the tread off those tires and just let somebody else pay that high price and let James Conner, you know, take a little bit more of a back seat to where he's not taking all those carries, taking all those hits, especially late in the year. I mean, if he if he takes a hit in week 14, week 15, and he's out with an ACL injury – well, now you don't have a backup plan because Bell's gone and James Conner is going to be gone for the majority of the next year. So do you think that that weighs into their their thought process at all, as in 
hey, let's 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 run Le'Veon Bell into the ground now that he's here, just because we're not going to be the ones paying him. And that way we can give, you know, we can ensure that James Conner is going to be fresh for the playoff run and fresh for, um, you know, next year if we choose to use him, you know, that that way next season as the bell cow back. Does that? It's definitely a possibility. Um, but two things. One, I don't think they're going to get the Le'Veon Bell that everybody in the fantasy community assumes they're going to get. I just don't. I mean, the guy hasn't played football since last December. January. Mid-January. They lost to the Jags in January, which was like January 22nd or something. Um, so I just don't think they're going to get that same guy. Uh, so so to me, I mean, it, it, would it potentially be a smart thing in terms of Connor's workload? Maybe. Yeah, maybe. And protecting a future asset. But here's the other thing. They have to – I mean, if Pittsburgh doesn't win the Super Bowl, it's a failed season, period. Every year, every single year, and especially right now, because Ben Roethlisberger is 37 years old. He ain't going to be around. So saving James Conner for two years out doesn't do them anything. Because now you're talking about, okay, is Mason Mason Rudolph the guy? Is Josh Dobbs the guy? Is some quarterback that plays in college right now the guy? So, I mean, if they're trying to win now and win a Super Bowl now in the next two seasons, I just don't see how you can take James Conner out. And then here's the other thing about Le'Veon. Even if they do, so so say Conner gets banged up. He has the ACL in week 15, okay? Bell comes in. He's there. He signs his thing. He's on the roster. They're going to pay him the $6 million to stay. They can transition him, too. There's still a little bit of control there. Now, obviously, it's not the same level of control, but if Connor goes out and they know, hey, you know, Connor's ACL, Connor's ACL at the end of the year, he's not going to be ready till week eight. Okay, well, then Le'Veon becomes a little bit more valuable to them, potentially. They use a transition tag, and they're able to potentially pay him the money he thinks he's worth. That's still out there. That t- That is still an option. I don't think anybody sees that happening right now. I don't think he's Le'Veon, even though he says it, I don't think he wants to be in Pittsburgh. And I don't think the organization or the fan base wants him in Pittsburgh any longer. So, but if that catastrophe of Connor blowing out his ACL happens, it's still, they still have an option to transition him and try to sign him to a long-term deal. And if they give him the money, I think he'll stay. Because where's he going to go where he's going to have a better opportunity to win a Super Bowl, where he's going to be able to make the money? There's not many options out there. He can go to New York, but he ain't winning a Super Bowl in New York. In my opinion. Remember that time you thought you can get us to stop talking? Yeah, I, I do this. <laughs> I do this to them every time I'm on the show. <laughs> yeah, we all we all have this problem. We should have <laughs> saw it. We should have seen this coming. Um, yeah, this was meant to be a 45 minute conversation. And <laughs> an hour and 45 minutes later. <laughs> but I, I'm glad we talked about that one because there's a lot of freaking layers on both sides of that trade. And mm-hmm. I'm I'm surprised that somebody actually thought through that and decided to to make that trade. I, I, two people, in fact, somebody offered it, somebody accepted, and I don't know how the hell they did that with the the <laughs> mental gymnastics that we just had to do on that. I don't know, I don't know how that one got done. But guys, we're gonna let you go here, and uh, just want to thank you both for being here and um and coming on to celebrate and uh we're just so thrilled to have you guys on the dlf family of podcast network on the mega yeah, feed with us it's uh it's 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 been a long time coming and it's good to have you guys here at home with us yeah thanks for having us on i i've been listening to you guys for a while and it's awesome because ever since brian and i started podcasting he's been a little braggadocious about you know you know i've been on their show you know, i got those guys don't worry I'll, t- I'll talk to them for you so now i could say i've been on that show too yeah that's true <laughs> brian does still have the distinction of being the only multi multi-time uh guest but whoop, whoop. oh yeah 
Outhouse, I think, has quality the... over quantity. <laughs> oh, <laughs> boom! Outhouse has the has a couple distinctions of his own, um, being the only one with uh, with one name, and uh, being the only one to uh, to send us a list of demands for us to completely ignore. So, yeah, sorry about the the pear guacamole when you were looking for some avocados. Avocados, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, and by the way. Uh, Huge thank you to everyone at DLF for actually thinking we are worthwhile enough to have in their family. We think it's hilarious that people actually take the time to stop and listen to us. You heard. Uh, I mean, you listen to everyone just listen to this show, so you know what the hell we sound like for an hour and change. So uh, he's, he's being modest. Don't listen to him. That's a great <laughs> podcast, and it belongs at DLF. Oh, and, I uh, never said I. I. It's great. Don't get me wrong. I'm just surprised people actually listen to it. I think it's great. <laughs> it's great. Great for you. Okay for Brian. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No. We definitely we definitely have a great time doing the show too, and I think that's something that probably comes through uh, when you listen to our show. So, um, we hope it does, anyways, because we. Gosh, it's a lot of fun to do. So, and we are very humbled to be with TLF and and the amazing podcasts that are part of this family. So, um, yeah, very humbling, very honored, um, and thank you guys again for having us on. Anytime, we'll do it again for sure. Thanks again, guys. Absolutely. And, uh, Thanks, take, guys. Take care. Yeah, make sure and subscribe to the Trade Addicts podcast um, if you haven't already, and. Uh, and you can also catch them on the DLF Family of Podcasts Mega Feed now. That's right, I'm all alone. James the Brain here, going to be bringing you this bonus episode, third episode of the week of the Superflex Super Show. If I am your least favorite host, you could probably go ahead and stop listening now, unless you want some good advice, but hey. I understand. I, I'm not everyone's cup of tea. However, if I'm not your least favorite host, you can tune in, get some good advice. Hopefully everything works out well for you. And if I'm your favorite host, you are a good looking man. You are a, a gorgeous woman. You are just tops. You're smart. You're, you're, I mean, you're, you're, you know, you got it going on, obviously, because you obviously have great taste in in podcast hosts, so that's great. Um, now, I'm just just messing with you, John. Uh, Hope will not be joining us. Neither will Travis Rasmussen um, at Travis NFL and at Superflex Dude, respectively. Will not be joining me on this episode. It's going to be a solo crusade. I do have some of John's notes, though, so I'll be able to use those throughout the episode. This episode, we're going to give you our starts and sits. We're going to divide them up into positional groups. Green light means go ahead and start them. You got the green light, go right ahead, man. We feel good about them. Yellow light, hey, proceed with caution. You might want to pump the brakes a little bit if you have a little bit of a better option this week. You might want to consider playing them or just temper your expectations from normally. And uh, we're also going to do red lights. Red lights are stops. Stop. Don't start them. Don't do it. Unless you absolutely have to, you do not want to start these guys. We're also going to have um, our solid fantasy matchup guys, our iffy fantasy matchup guys, um, our starts of the week, our sneaky starts of the week, our busts of the week. So there's a lot of information coming at you this week for the matchups here so we can help you set your lineup and hopefully get that big W. You need the win. Don't eat the W, though, because Jameis Winston's sitting on the bench eating Ws from Ryan Fitzpatrick right now. So we'll get into that right now. We're going to start with the quarterbacks. I'm giving a green light this week to Baker Mayfield, Patrick Mahomes, duh, Cam Newton, Matthew Stafford, Kirk Cousins, Jared Goff, Drew Brees, Aaron Rodgers, and Tom Brady. Look, all those names belong on the list. The one that probably sticks out the most is Baker Mayfield. But guys, Baker Mayfield is playing the Kansas City Chiefs. That offense has been under scrutiny, obviously, with Todd Haley gone, with Hugh, uh, with Hugh Jackson gone. That offense is going to be under some scrutiny. I really feel like this is the time that that offense is going to take a step forward against a really weak Kansas City defense. Chiefs have been playing better defensively, don't get me wrong. But I think uh, Cleveland's getting healthier, too. Sounds like Rashard Higgins is going to be on the field. Uh, sounds like, you know, with Antonio Callaway, with Jarvis Landry and David Njoku. Um, so they're getting healthy at the right time. I'm kind of liking that. I think that, uh, obviously, the Chiefs are going to win this game. But I do think that Baker Mayfield puts up some good, good, good fantasy numbers. So you can rely on him this week. Now, let's go to the yellow lights. Proceed with caution on these guys. Mitchell Trubisky, Ryan Fitzpatrick, Matt Ryan, Alex Smith, Ben Roethlisberger, Joe Flacco, Philip Rivers, Russell Wilson, and Deshaun Watson. 
these are guys that, hey, a lot of these guys normally you're relying on week in and week out, especially the guys towards the latter half of this with Deshaun Watson, Phillip Rivers, and Russell Wilson being listed towards the end of this list. Those are guys that normally you're counting on on a weekly basis, not to mention Big Ben. Uh, but, guys, this matchup, for, for several different reasons, first off, you know, you got Big Ben. He's got a tough matchup in Baltimore on the road. Big Ben's not as good. That Baltimore defense is legit. There's some matchup issues for some of the other guys, too. So those guys I would proceed with, hey, you're going to play them, especially in Superflex. Those are guys you're going to start. Just temper your expectations a little bit. Hope that somebody else steps to the forefront to, to kind of make up some of the points that maybe they're not going to score um, like they would in an average week. Um, so we got that out of the way. Let's go to the red lights. Red lights start with Nathan Peterman. They should probably start and end with Nathan Peterman. But there's a few other guys I'm giving a red light to. Sam Darnold, Brock Osweiler, Case Keenum, Marcus Mariota, and Dak Prescott. Um, there is a few guys in there that uh, you might be a little shocked with. that I am saying, hey, don't even give them a yellow light. We're giving them a red light here. Stop. See if you have a better option. Um, because these guys are guys that I do not like this week. So let's... Go into the solid fantasy quarterbacks with bad matchups. I'm going to pick one out, and I'm going to start with Ben Roethlisberger. Look, I touched on it a little bit here. Big Ben in Baltimore. It's a tough matchup. That Baltimore defense is really good. They lost by one point to the New Orleans Saints. Baltimore is, uh, I, I think they need this win. They know they need this win. I expect a big performance out of the Baltimore Ravens defense. Look, Big Ben has been pretty decent on the road this year. That, that road home split hasn't been so bad. But when you're facing the likes of the Baltimore Ravens on the road, that defense has been really good. These teams know each other. A lot of times these games are either shootouts or they're defensive struggles. This one looks to me to be a defensive struggle. So I'm staying away from Big Ben. Solid fantasy quarterback. Does not have a good matchup. Now let's go to some of the if, iffy fantasy quarterbacks that have good matchups. I'm going to pick one out here that I really like, and that's Alex Smith. Look, Alex Smith and Washington, I, I, the Redskins are playing for something right now. You know, they added to that defense. You know, offensively, they're you know they're not a great team. Alex Smith isn't lighting it up. Adrian Peterson is getting a lot of work on the ground. Chris Thompson, it sounds like he might miss this game, guys. So that's that's another thing that's kind of a, a you know a red flag. But I'm telling you, I love the matchup for Alex Smith, and the reason why I love his matchup is because not only of who he's going against, but also because he's at home. He is at home against the Atlanta Falcons. That secondary is banged up. Um, Atlanta might be scoring some points here, too. So, I, hey, Washington might have to score to keep up. Um, I could see Washington really uh, needing to pass a little bit more than relying on the run that they have in the past. I really like Alex Smith in this game. I think he is a sneaky start. He might even sneak into that top 12. He might be a QB1 this week. Um, so let's get to my start of the week. My start of the week at the quarterback position is Cam Newton. Well, Cam Newton has been playing better and better, not only with his arm, but with his legs, too. He can beat you in so many ways. The great thing about Cam Newton, he is at home. He is playing the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And that's right. This is the Tampa Bay Buccaneers from the beginning of the season, folks. This is Ryan Fitzpatrick slinging the ball all over the field to all those weapons. I mean, he's got Mike Evans, two good tight ends with O.J. Howard, Cameron Brake, Deshaun Jackson. Oh, and uh, he's also got Chris Godwin there, too, who we just discussed on our last episode, guys, he is going to be flinging the ball all over the all over the yard. I mean, he is going to be throwing a lot. And the reason why he's going to be throwing a lot is because he's going to need to. Carolina at home against this horrible Tampa Bay defense, they're going to put up points. Cam Newton's going to find ways to put up points. I expect Greg Olson to be really, uh, really used heavily in this one, too. And the over-under in this game is 55. That means points are going to be scored. Cam's going to be scoring them. I love Cam this week. I am starting him over most options this week. My sneaky start of the week is Joe Flacco. And look, I know Joe Flacco has been better this year. And he's on the radar as a fantasy quarterback that you can start, you know, in a pinch. And sometimes not even in a pinch. But this week against Pittsburgh at home in a, a pretty much a must-win situation in Baltimore is going to have a chance in this division to compete. they got to get this win. If they're, they're at home, I will love them going against this Pittsburgh defense. And I think the Pittsburgh defense has been pretty decent against the run. I expect them to rely on Joe Flacco, the Baltimore Ravens, to rely on Joe Flacco and his arm. I like his receiving options. I think they have good matchups. This game could be a game where Joe Flacco puts up some really good numbers. I think he's a sneaky start this week, guys. And let's go to the bust alert. My bust alert, the, the guy who tops that list is Marcus Mariota. Look, I know Mariota struggled all year, and I know that this shouldn't be too much of a surprise. 
given those struggles. But Marcus Mariota is going to Dallas to play the Dallas Cowboys on Monday Night Football. Look, the Dallas Cowboys offensively aren't great, but defensively, this is a good team. This is a team that's been printing out some pretty good numbers uh, week in and week out. And Marcus Mariota has been struggling. Yeah, and I just do not see any way that the Tennessee Titans are going to put up big numbers on this Dallas Cowboys defense. I think this is a lower-scoring game in general. Tennessee's defense has been pretty good, too. I think that just means, hey, look, we can play conservatively. We can run the ball. We can kick field goals when we need to. Uh, you know, if it's third and ten, instead of going for the first down, we could dump it off for six yards to make it an easy field goal attempt. I think those are the kind of things that are going to plague Marcus Mariota outside of his just general not-so-good play. So Marcus Mariota is my bust of the week. So now let's move on to the running backs. John gave me his notes. He was so kind. He prepared for this episode, and he wasn't able to make it, but he was kind enough to share with me his knowledge, his notes for the running backs and the wide receivers. So let's get to the running backs. John's green whites, the chalky plays, Todd Gurley, Alvin Kamara, Melvin Gordon, Kareem Hunt, Zeke Elliott, Christian McCaffrey, James White, James Conner, and Nick Chubb, all are his are are his green lights that are chalky plays. But, hey, he's got a few sneaky plays, too. How about Chris Carson, guys? Chris Carson plays. He likes Chris Carson. Philip Lindsay. He likes Philip Lindsay an awful lot. Lamar Miller, Adrian Peterson, Kenyon Drake, and Aaron Jones. I personally cannot vouch for the Aaron Jones pick, but I understand it. Rumor is he's going to get a bunch more carries. We'll see kind of how that works out. I, I'm still high on Aaron Jones' talent, but I, I'm still hesitant. Until I see him get those carries personally, I don't know that I trust it. However, if you need a high upside play against New England in a team uh, game that uh, could be very high scoring, a shootout, if you will, uh, that that might be a really high uh, high end play there. Um, so there there's some really good sneaky picks here. Chris Carson has been sneaky good all year. He is one of the most underrated fantasy running backs. If you look at what he has done over the course of this season, especially over the course of the last couple of weeks, look, he's a little banged up. He already missed a game with that hip earlier in the year. That's going to be crucial to monitor and see if he is going to play. If he is, if he's all systems go. Man, Chris Carson could be in line for a very good game uh, in, in that matchup against the Chargers. Philip Lindsay's another good one. Hey, they're playing the Houston Texans. That uh, that defense has been playing better, but we just saw what Kenyon Drake did to him. Kenyon Drake had a very nice game against that defense. And, hey, Philip Lindsay, man, it, it seems like he's going to be the main guy in Denver. Um, I, I, I love Philip Lindsay. I love his talent. I um, I think that's a great play there. Um, so, yeah, there's, those are the green whites, some sneaky plays, some chalky plays. Let's get to John's yellow whites. Proceed with caution, guys. It looks like we got Latavius Murray, Mark Ingram, Sony Michelle, Tariq Cohen, Capri Bibbs, Isaiah Crowell, Peyton Barber, Carrion Johnson, Austin Eckler, uh, Alex Collins, Deion Lewis, and Duke Johnson. Some very interesting names here. Um, you know, Latavius Murray, I agree on totally. I, I don't, I'm not sold on Minnesota anymore. I, I really soured on that team. I was so high on them coming into the year. I just don't know that they're very good. And uh, I, I, I'm, I'm, I still really like Kirk Cousins, and I still like Adam Thielen an awful lot. But, boy, Stephon Diggs, you got to show me something. Kyle Rudolph, you got to show me something. And this running game, you know, hopefully Delvin Cook comes back 100%. Sounds like he's going to play a little bit this week, but be on a really, really limited snap count. Why even bother playing him? you got a bye week next week. I'm saying just sit him, let him come back week 11 and closer to 100%. But it sounds like this is the uh, the direction that they're heading in. So that'll be interesting there um, to kind of monitor and see, uh, especially for Latavius Murray and his stock. Uh, Mark Ingram is interesting. I mean, he's going against a Rams defense that, uh, you know, is, is you could do some things on. But, you know, I, you know, with Alvin Kamara and Michael Thomas being the mouths to feed there, It'll be interesting to see what Mark Ingram's role is. Sony Michelle's another guy, banged up, going to be questionable. Um, looks like it's it's going to be, uh, you know, maybe a, a game time decision or a game day decision whether or not he plays. So that's something to monitor too. If he does play, love his opportunity against a Green Bay defense that can't stop the run. Um, there's some really good names on this list. Um, let's go to John's red whites though. The notable names that yeah i mean there's a lot of guys that are red whites for him but we're gonna we're gonna just list the notable ones well sean mccoy big name guy who a lot of people drafted this year uh with high hopes and he's just giving you nothing so it, put him on the bench well sean mccoy frank gore here's a guy who's outperformed his draft stock his draft capital 
this is not the week to use him, says John, and I agree with him there. Um, Jordan Howard, I mean, this is a guy that I'm sure Travis is pounding his chest right now if he is listening to this. Seeing Jordan Howard as a red light, but there's no way around it. Tariq Cohen has been the better back there. I think we kind of saw this possibly coming with the new offensive philosophy that was being installed there. So that's interesting. But no, Jordan Howard is a red-white. Um, how about Tevin Coleman? Boy, I was so high on Tevin Coleman when he got the opportunity to be the lead back in Atlanta. And really, he has not run away with it like I thought he would. Guys, it's a contract year for him. He's pretty much playing for a job right now. And this is the best that he's given us. It's disappointing to see. I'm hoping that he can you know, put forth a better effort here later in the year because I'm a fan of Tevin Coleman's. I like him a lot. I like his running style, but this year he just hasn't been effective. And we're giving a red light to Royce freaking Freeman. John, I love you. I, I, I could kiss you right now. I'm so happy seeing that name on there just because Philip Lindsay is the guy. He is the man. So if Royce Freeman does play, obviously he's coming back from an injury. He may be limited, and that's probably why John's got him on there. It probably doesn't have to do so much with the matchup or the uh, the carry split, but for me it does. For me it definitely does. So um, I, either way, I like the fact that he is a red light here. John's start of the week, Chris Carson at home against the Chargers. Look, the Chargers are 17th against running backs. Chris Carson has been quietly sneaky, very, very good these last couple weeks. This should be a very competitive game, too, to where Chris Carson's going to be involved in this game plan from the beginning to the end. Um, I think the Chargers and, you know, Seattle's been playing really well. They're at home in this one. Um, you kind of got to like their chances of at least keeping it close enough to keep Chris Carson involved, keep running the ball, and continue to rely on the, uh, the yards they're getting on the run, the play-action pass that Russell Wilson's been so good with. Um, I, I love the Chris Carson play. I think that's a great start of the week. Sneaky start of the week, Capri Bibbs. Now, this is interesting. Now, uh, obviously, you know, like we discussed, Washington is at home against Atlanta. Atlanta is 24th versus opposing running backs. You got Chris Thompson hurt. And the game script, hey, this could be a positive game script. Look, Washington's defense is stifling. If they can stifle this Atlanta offense, which... By the way, Atlanta's offense seems to be able to move the ball up and down the field, but as far as scoring points goes, that's a whole other issue. Um, there's no Matt Bryant, so you're not going to be, you know, looking to kick these long field goals, I, I wouldn't think. Obviously, you know, they, they, they brought in a guy that they're pretty comfortable with, but you would think that that kind of affects some of their decision-making maybe a little bit too. Um, but Atlanta isn't a team that gets the ball in the end zone a lot, even though they do seem to, to rack up some yardage. Does this sound like Julio Jones that I'm describing? Uh, doesn't get in the end zone, racks up a ton of yardage. That's pretty much Atlanta's offense right now. So with Washington's defense playing as well as they are, Capri Bibbs could be in line for a very nice game. But the great thing about Capri Bibbs, he can catch ball out of the backfield. He's going to be a pass-catching back. AP will probably be the guy who takes the, the load of the carries. But when you're, you're talking about pass-catching, Capri Bibbs is that guy. So, hey, if Washington is trying to keep pace with this Atlanta team, Capri Bibbs is going to be even more heavily involved. So that is a very interesting play there, um, a really sneaky start. We're going to keep our eye on Capri Bibbs, see how he does this week. If you need a guy, a last-second guy, there's a lot of injuries, a lot of guys questionable. You need a last-second guy, Capri Bibbs might be your guy. Bust alert. Love this call, John. Todd Gurley is the bust alert. Look, New Orleans is fourth against running backs this year. This is a negative game script. Look, you're going into New Orleans. You're going to try to keep up with the New Orleans Saints. Look, the Rams are really, really good, but New Orleans has a chip on their shoulder. They got beat last year. Uh, you know, these Rams ended their winning streak. Hey, the Saints, you got to bet the Saints are going to want to do that to them in a, in a plus matchup at home in New Orleans. I mean, this everything is going for New Orleans. I, I could definitely see New Orleans stifling Todd Gurley and making – making this team, uh, you know, Jared Goff beat you through the air. I think that's the way you try to beat this team. So if I'm New Orleans, I'm going to try to do that. I don't know that they're capable of it, but that's what I'm trying to do. Um, yeah, I mean, if they're, if, if, and if, if they're chasing points, look, Todd Gurley is a nice receiver out of the backfield. Um, he, can, he can definitely make plays doing that. Uh, but when you take away what he can do running the ball too, uh, you know, you, you severely limit his upside. And the reason being is because, even when he's running the ball well, he's still getting those receiving yards. Um, he's not going to get enough receiving yards, you know, when normally he's, you know, 60, 70, 80 receiving yards. He's not going to see, uh, you know, 100 more than that, which is what he could get rushing the ball and a couple touchdowns. You know, it's just not going to happen. You're not going to be able to circumvent what you're missing in the running game 
with the receiving game for Todd Gurley. So that's why I kind of like that call there, John. Let's move on to the wide receivers, though, because John's got some really good calls here for the wide receivers as well. Let's go to the green lights. John is giving up green light to these chalky, chalky plays. DeAndre Hopkins, assuming he plays, Michael Thomas, Adam Thielen, Mike Evans, Devontae Adams, Julio Jones, Antonio Brown, Tyreek Hill, assuming he plays, Stephon Diggs, assuming he plays, Jarvis Landry, Keenan Allen, all those guys, chalky, chalky, chalky. Put them in your lineup. Don't even worry about them. They got decent matchups. They're going to perform well. Um, I'm just going to I'm just going to go right out and say this. It, it, this is assuming every all these guys play. All right. So we're we're not we're not sure if all these guys are going to play. But if they do play, these are the guys that uh, that John likes as a green light. Real quick, the one guy I'm going to hit up on. Um, uh, is going to be uh, Devontae Adams. I really like Devontae Adams this week. Obviously, going against New England, I think that's an offensive shootout. That's Aaron Rodgers' number one wide receiver. He is going to find ways to make plays. Stephon Gilmore is going to try to be on him. But this isn't Kelvin Benjamin, folks. This is Devontae Adams. He's going to find ways to make plays while Rodgers keeps plays alive with his legs. Um, I think Devontae Adams still is going to have a very nice game this week. So, um Let's get to John's sneaky green whites. How about Cooper Cup? Cooper Cup kind of off the radar a little bit because of the injury. Sounds like he's going to play. That's a sneaky nice play there. He could have a, a really, really, really good finish Finish towards the top of those green whites. That might shock some people because he's coming back from that injury, uh, reportedly not 100%. How about Devin Funches? Here's a guy who we love to hate on, but this is a surprisingly sneaky play for him. He's got a plus matchup. He's going against Tampa Bay. I like Cam. John likes Funches. It makes sense. How about Emmanuel Sanders, Robert Woods, Marvin Jones, and Sammy Watkins? Now, the caveat with Sammy Watkins is uh, let's see if Hill is going to, to, to be out. As of right now, it sounds like to, uh, Hill is going to play. And if he does, then that bumps Sammy Watkins down a little bit. But, hey, who knows how effective Hill is going to be? I mean, that injury could... Um, you know, could hamper him a little bit on the field. Maybe Sammy Watkins is the main beneficiary of that. Maybe Tyreek Hill ends up being a decoy for a little bit of this, a uh, little bit of the time in there, and Sammy Watkins can benefit from that. So, still an interesting play. Let's go to John's yellow lights. We got John Brown. Smokey Brown is a yellow light for him. Hot Brandon Cooks, uh, Josh Gordon, Julian Edelman, Tyler Lockett, Calvin Ridley, Kenny Galladay, Juju Smith-Schuster. Cortland Sutton, DJ Moore, Deshaun Jackson, and um, Amari Cooper. Now, I'm going to touch on Amari Cooper just because, I mean, hey, this is going to be his first game after the trade. He's had two bye weeks, so, I mean, he should be well-rested and ready to go, right? Um, two bye weeks in a row. Um, but, yeah, man, let's focus on Amari Cooper going to Dallas. It's interesting. He's going to get the spotlight. He's going to be on on Monday night. Looks like he's going to be the number one receiver. All reports say he is going to play and play a lot. Um, for the Dallas Cowboys in, in this his first week there. Uh, so it's going to be interesting to monitor uh, Amari Cooper and what we get out of him. I've never been huge on his talent. I love the situation, though. So if Dak Prescott can, you know, hey, it's going to rely on him. Man. Can he make accurate passes? Can he keep plays alive with his legs? Can he continue looking downfield, go through his reads, through his progressions, and keep his fundamentals, keep his uh, his footwork, his, his uh, you know, his arm angle, everything has to be kept right for a quarterback like this that's struggling with accuracy issues to be right. So a lot's going to rely on Dak Prescott and what he can do in this one. Uh, but I think Amari Cooper is definitely a guy that, hey, this is a high upside play here. If you need a high upside play this week, Amari Cooper might be a guy to look at. Um, so interesting yellow lights. Let's go to the red lights. The notable guys. How about Devontae Parker? He had a breakout game. Everybody's loving Devontae Parker now. And we're giving him a red light. John, you're, you're absolutely right to do that. How long is this Brock Osweiler thing going to continue? How many passes can Devontae Adams catch when it's tipped up to him in the air and he just kind of snatches it out of the air? There there was a little bit of uh, a little bit of luck and game script going in that one. I don't know that that's going to happen against the Jets, though, this week. So um, that's that's I, I like that call, John. Tyrell Williams is another guy who's been getting a lot of love. That San Diego offense has been good enough to support two good running backs, three good wide receivers. That's not going to happen all the time, especially in a tough game against Seattle. Um, I, I'm not sure that Tyrell Williams is going to be a guy that's going to go nuts. How about Demarius Thomas? This is an interesting call. Demarius Thomas just goes to Houston. Everyone's got these high hopes. Let's give Demarius Thomas a little bit of time, guys. I mean, this is going to be, I mean, he's, he's getting thrown into the fray. He doesn't know this playbook yet. He hasn't had a lot of time 
to get used to his surroundings or anything, his quarterback, the chemistry, it just won't be there. Let's give him a little bit of time. I like that call there, John. I like Demarius Thomas moving forward in that move, though. I do want to go on record as saying that. I think him and Houston is going to be a very nice marriage, but I just don't know that week one is the best week to expect big things. So I like that, John. And Allen Robinson. Let's just let's just kick a man when he's down, John. I mean, Allen Robinson being on the red-white, I'll be honest, I'm not on board with this. Um, but John says Allen Robinson's a red-white. He's done a lot more homework on these receivers this week than I have, so I'm going to default to him and say he's he's probably he's probably got something there. He's probably on to something, but uh, I, I don't like it, John. I don't like it. Let's go to John's start of the week. How about Cooper Cup? Oh, my cup overfloweth. Cooper Cup against the worst defense against wide receivers. Uh, that would be the New Orleans Saints. And their best coverage is on the outside. Uh, look, slot receivers feast on P.J. Williams. P.J. Williams, defensive player of the week. Last week, he was able to turn an interception into a pick six. He played really well. He was not playing Cooper Cup. I'm sorry, Laquan Treadwell is not Cooper Cup. That's who he was covering a majority of the time. They did move. I, I mean, he was covering other guys. I understand that. And he did have a very good game. But, I mean, the numbers are going to tell you, guys, we can uh, we can pick on P.J. Williams a little bit. Cooper Cup is the kind of guy that's going to take advantage of those plus matchups. He, he's going to put up his numbers in tough matchups. So uh, the fact that he has a good matchup this week, I think Cooper Cup, and that's how the, uh, the Rams are going to have to move the ball. I think I, I really think that they're going to have to do this through the air, and I think Cooper Cup's the main beneficiary. John Sneaky Start. How about this, guys? I didn't even read this. Amari Cooper, John and I, great minds think alike sometimes. Tennessee is 18th against wide receivers. Dallas is going to showcase its new toy and pepper the man with targets. I agree. I think this is a statement for the Dallas Cowboys. They get to make a statement in this one. This is why we traded for Amari Cooper. We're going to use him. He's a number one wide receiver. It's Monday night. We're going to shove it in everyone's face on national television and show you how good Amari Cooper is. What a great trade this was. This was not a terrible trade. That's that's going to be the Dallas mentality. So, no, I like it, John. I think that is a sneaky start. Bust alert. Oh, man, John, you got Kenny Galladay on here. I got to defend your bust alert on Kenny Galladay? All right, well, I suppose it's only for one week. Um, and Cortland Sutton. Man, I, don't, I like both those guys an awful lot. But, okay, look, there's tons of hype. Uh, people can't wait to get these guys in their lineup. But both have tough matchups. Galladay is in Minnesota, their third best against wide receivers. Kenny Galladay specifically draws uh, Xavier Rhodes, so I, I totally get that. He's got a tough matchup. That makes sense to me on why you'd want to temper your expectations uh, for him a little bit. Kenny Galladay also, the past few weeks, he hasn't been the Kenny Galladay he was at the beginning of the year. So while that trade will help open up targets for him, I still don't know how much it, it it's going to help him. So that'll be interesting. And Cortland Sutton, look, he's going against Houston. They're seventh versus wide receivers. And, look, Sanders is still the focal point of the offense. I do agree with that. I do think Cortland Sutton's going to draw some, some better matchups being across from Emmanuel Sanders. But I do understand that this matchup, in, uh, you know, this matchup specifically against Houston is a tough matchup. So I'll concede that, John. I'll concede that for you. All right, you can you can have those guys as your busts, and I'll, I'm on board. I'm on board. All right, let's get, let's get to what you guys have all been waiting for, I'm sure. The tight end position. That's right, the tight ends. That's, that's a position that still counts. You still got to start one in most leagues. Some some have two, you know, tight end premiums. As I, I don't know. Uh, but let, let's get to the tight ends, okay? So I, I, I put in the work. I did them. I'm going to give you the guys that I'm giving a green light to. Let's start with Travis Kelsey, David Njoku, O.J. Howard, Greg Olson, Christopher Herndon, and Kyle Rudolph. Those are green light guys. Look, tight end is a volatile position, guys. It's a very, very volatile position. If you look at some of the guys coming into the year that you thought were going to be top guys, and some guys you were just taking flyers on, hoping, boy, it's been a mixed bag, man. It really has been a bag of mixed results. George Kittle has been a plus. David Njoku has been a roller coaster ride. Uh, some of the guys that you were really relying on, Jimmy Graham, Rob Gronkowski, I know were guys I was relying on really heavily. Nope. Trey Burton has been hit or miss. Austin Hooper kind of came from nowhere. What about Vance McDonald and Jesse James? We saw that coming. You know, I mean, that this 
this whole tight end position group has just been really volatile. So when I'm looking at green lights, I'm looking at green lights for this week and this week only. Next week, some of these green lights could be red lights, could be guys that I, I'm cutting. I mean, that's how crazy this position is. So let's go to the yellow lights. The yellow lights, I have Jimmy Graham, Rob Gronkowski, Trey Burton, Charles Clay, Austin Hooper, Vance McDonald. Look, Rob Gronkowski is the highlight of that group. Rob Gronkowski is hurt. Rob Gronkowski might not play. But even if Rob Gronkowski plays, he has not been the Gronk of old guys. He has not looked great. He and Brady are not on the same page. I, I, Gronk just hasn't been hauling in a lot of the passes that he normally does. He's not making the plays that he normally makes. So I, I'm a little concerned with Gronk moving forward, guys. I can tell you that much. So he is my yellow-white uh, play there. As far as the red-white goes, let's go Jordan Reed, Mike Gusecki, Michael Roberts, the Ravens tight ends, pick one because they got about four of them. Antonio Gates, Ed Dixon, Jeff Hewerman, Gerald Everett, Ben Watson, Janu Smith, Jeff Swaim, and oh yeah, the Texans apparently now have about three tight ends that they use. All of those guys are red-whites for me. Look, I know that there are going to be some some instances you're going to have to start some of these guys with the red lights, and that's fine. The tight end position is brutal. Sometimes you're going to be in that position where you have to start a red-white guy. This week might be one of those weeks with a lot of bye weeks. Um, but if you do have to start some of these red-white guys, just don't expect a lot. Don't, don't expect a lot, which means if I'm in a close matchup, maybe I'm, I'm taking the safe points at other positions. If I have to play one of these tight ends and I'm going against someone who's heavily favored, I might be playing a few more higher upside guys at other positions if, if it's close. So um, that that's kind of what that means to me. So I'm going to get to my start of the week. My start of the week at tight end um, is going to be O.J. Howard. And the reason why it's going to be O.J. Howard is quite simple. They are playing the Carolina Panthers. That's right. And the Carolina Panthers defense is pretty good, guys. I mean, this isn't, you know, we're not talking chopped liver. We're talking a pretty good defense. But let's go, let's go back the last few weeks. Last week, they played the Baltimore Ravens, right? So the Baltimore Ravens, uh, again, they use multiple tight ends. Um, over, you know, if, you, if you add all three of their tight ends together, uh, they, they ended up with 11 targets. They were the most uh, a very heavily targeted position in that game. Obviously, Baltimore had to throw a lot. Let's go to the Eagles. How about the Eagles the week before? Oh, yeah, Carolina played Philadelphia. Philadelphia, Zach Ertz got 11 targets. Dallas Goddard got five, 16 targets to the tight end position, and they did stuff with those targets in that game. So um, Carolina has just not been great against tight ends. You can go back and look for yourself and look at some of the uh, the matchups that they've had and some of the performances they've had against them. Um, it's it's really interesting when you see. I mean, even uh, that you know, if you go back the week previous, the receiving leader for the Washington Redskins with three receptions for 48 yards and a touchdown was Vernon Davis. The only guy that was close to him was Jordan Reed, five grabs for 36 yards. I mean, the tight ends have really been the focal point for offenses when trying to attack this Carolina defense. I think O.J. Howard's going to be a focal point for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I'm starting him. He is my start of the week. I expect big things. My sneaky start. This is a guy I gave a green light to. That is Christopher Herndon. Here's why Christopher Herndon gets a green light from me. It looks like Robbie Anderson is going to be out. It looks like Quincy Anoon was going to be out. And when those guys do not play, Christopher Herndon scores. He scores touchdowns. Well, Christopher Herndon's a rookie. He's from Miami, if you don't know about him. The last game, the Jets played the Bears. It was not pretty. Christopher Herndon had one grab, 16 yards, and a touchdown. He was targeted in the red zone. That's what they like to do. They like to target this guy in the red zone. But even if you go back to the week before where the Jets had a little bit more offense playing at home against Minnesota, uh, they put up 17 points. Christopher Herndon had seven targets, turned it into four grabs for 42 yards and a touchdown. Guys, Christopher Herndon scores when those guys don't play. Robbie Anderson and Quincy Anunua are not involved. That's when Christopher Herndon scores. It looks like that could be the case again. I'm starting Christopher Herndon. I have no problem doing so. He is playing at home against, or he's playing on the road against the Dolphins. All I need at a tight end position that does not have a lot of steady options, all I'm asking for if I'm starting Christopher Herndon is a score. And it sounds like, hey, he's, he's, he's on, it's a trend now. You know, it's a trend right now that he is scoring. So, um, I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm liking Christopher Herndon. Last but not least, let's get to my busted tight end, and this should surprise no one. It's Jordan Howard. Look, we talked about Washington having a plus matchup. Alex Smith is my sneaky start of the week. 
Those wide receivers aren't always so involved um, in the passing game, but, man, Jordan Howard has just been so disappointing. I, I think I'd rather start Vernon Davis over Jordan Howard this week. That's how crazy it is. Um, he's just really been disappointing this year. Um, I don't know if that's because of Alex Smith. I don't think so. I mean, Alex Smith had Travis Kelsey, and Kelsey was able to put up numbers with Alex Smith, so I don't know why Jordan Jordan Reed wouldn't be able to. Um, I don't know if it's maybe part of the system, but all I know is that this is not good for Jordan Reed owners. So Jordan Reed is a guy I am definitely not playing this week. I'll find a better option on the waiver wire, guys. I'd rather start guys like Ed Dixon. Heck, I mean, I I'm, I will find someone on the waiver wire I'd rather play. I'd rather play Josh Hill than, than play this guy. So that's how down I am on Jordan Reed uh, at the moment. So I guess we are done. We've finished up. We've wrapped up all the positional groups. Thank you, everyone, to tuning in. Thanks again to the guys from the Trade Addicts podcast for coming on. Make sure you're subscribed to that one and, and that you're following the guys. That's at BrianHarFF, at Dynasty Outhouse, and the podcast itself, at Trade Addicts Pod. And subscribe to this podcast if you haven't already, and rate and review if you would, please, uh, anywhere where you're able to. Uh, those ratings and reviews help us to expand our reach, get out to new listeners, and really zero in on the topics that are the most useful to you, the listener. You can also subscribe to the DLF Family of Podcasts Mega Feed and get access to all of the great podcasts from DLF, including the Superflex Super Show and now the Trade Addicts Podcast as well. And send us your trades on Twitter, at Superflex Show. We can retweet them, help you get more comments and more votes. And sometimes we bring them here on the podcast and analyze them with our friends. While you're at it, follow the show at Superflex Show and follow Travis. He's at TravisNFL. James is at underscore JamesTheBrain. And I'm at SuperflexDude. Thank you to Heart and Soul Radio for the song The Addiction that we use as our intro and outro music. And above all else, thank you to each and every one of you for listening. Good luck in week nine. And until next week, stay sexy and super flexy. Bye.